A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Internet Marketing. Brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.com. This is Internet Marketing. Uh, Now, before we roll, a request. We'd like some input on how we can improve the podcast. And we're running a survey over on the Site Visibility website. Take about five minutes of your time. It'd be really helpful to us because it will help us to continue to make your sort of um, podcasting experience as great as possible. If you want to help us out and go there, the page is sitevisibility.com slash survey. Uh, We'd really appreciate your feedback. And again, that's sitevisibility.com forward slash survey. Today, I'm joined by Steve Rayson, director at BuzzSumo. Steve, how are you doing? Hi, Andy. Yeah, really well, thank you. Yeah, no, uh, thanks very much for having me on again. From sunny Brighton. From sunny Brighton, not quite so sunny today, but it's it's trying to break through. But at least it's it's warming up, which is is good. We're moving into that spring phase, which is lovely. There's a quality to the light, a certain quality. <laughs> anyway, before I get all sort of um, poetish, um, we last spoke on this show in June, I think, last year. And I think we were, if I remember correctly, we were talking about uh, probably something like creating shareable content. Um, today, I want to talk about something quite fundamental uh, blogging frequency. But before we get on to that, Steve, just remind our listeners who you are and what you do, what makes you tick, and what floats your boat. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm Steve Rayson. I'm, I'm one of the directors at BuzzSumo. BuzzSumo is a, a content marketing tool, um, which is incredibly, we started it a few years ago and it's grown enormously. We have over 300,000 users now, which always surprises me when I look at the uh, number of people using BuzzSumo. But basically, we crawl content, we look at what's working, what gets shares, what gets links, and you can search for any topic and see what's resonating with a particular audience, whether it happens to be kitchen design or whether it's uh, leadership development. But we also more importantly show you who's amplifying that content by sharing by linking for example and then help you monitor it so so that's what we do at BuzzSumo so I'm always um, immersed in data really every week I spend my time looking at analyzing websites and blog posts and seeing what works what what gets resonates uh, out there with the audience in terms of what gets shared what gets linked what drives traffic Um, so that's what I tend to do each day so I try to understand and, and really just draw some insights from the data which hopefully it's useful to everybody now if we look at blogging uh good old blogging which is one of the sort of mainstays of uh internet communication i guess and we look at the question of how frequently we should be publishing our blogs it's a pretty fundamental question is it but i think it breaks down into a into a, a massive range of 
components, Steve, just just talk us through this concept of how frequently we should be publishing on our blogs. Yeah, I think it is an important factor because obviously um, you know, it's a key part of your content strategy is how much content are you producing, what's the sort of cadence, what's the frequency with which you're going to publish and, and build your audience. And I think it, I think there's no no sort of one or ideal answer in the sense because it depends a lot on your audience um, and your own resources. But there are very different strategies that are out there and they, they range really from what I would call high volume publishing. So some of the big publishers, the Washington Post and people like that, they publish over a thousand articles a day. So mm. very difficult for you to read everything that's published by the Washington Post. And I think a lot more people are doing that high volume, high frequency publishing just because there's so much content in the world. I mean, there are literally millions, I think there are going to be something like 30 million blog posts published today. Mm. There's so much, how do you get through it? And I think some people have taken a view that actually publishing a lot of content is good because you can hit small, long tail audiences i mean jeff bezos was big on this in terms of amazon you don't just sell blockbuster books you have all the other books that cater for your niche audiences and all that long tail of niche audiences is actually bigger than the blockbuster harry potters and that's very much what he did at sort of amazon and he now owns the washington post and it's interesting to see how they've increased the the frequency of the publishing content so at the one end you have the really high volume publishers. Yeah. But I think what's interesting is that a lot of bloggers have found that increasing their frequency actually increases not only their total shares and traffic, but even their average shares and traffic. So we've seen evidence of a lot of blogs who were publishing once every two weeks, maybe once a week, who've started to increase it to three times a week or something mm. like that. And they've been finding that actually they're gaining more traffic. Now, there's a lot of controversy around this because – you know, are you publishing the same quality of content? And it's definitely true. You need a certain minimum threshold of quality. But previous research by people like uh, Neil Patel and HubSpot found that actually as you increase the number of posts, you actually generate not only more traffic, but more leads to your website. So there's that sort of strategy, which is increasing your content. And then I think interestingly, uh, and one that I've been exploring uh, a lot uh, in recent weeks, is actually a less is more approach. There are some people who've actually gone the opposite route and said, I'm going to produce limited number, but really high quality posts. Yeah. And one of the sites I really like is, is Brian Dean of Backlinko. He publishes every four to five weeks, mm. but he publishes really comprehensive, well-researched content, such as, you know, key Google ranking factors or a really good case study. And he gets average shares of up in, over 2,000, which is huge for an average Um and even his, his average for links is sort of over 100, which is, again, this is huge. So he's actually getting more traffic and more shares, et cetera, than people publishing three times a week. So he's gone yeah. for a very different strategy. So there are quite distinct strategies that you can approach. And I think we can talk through you know, what may work for you and how do you decide, really. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because there's, there's, there's two extra. I mean, I, I have a blog, and I, I <laughs> my posts are normally about three sentences, and I, I think the, my last post was about four months ago. <laughs> um, but it's interesting because you mentioned this, this um, like the high frequency approach, and then the sort of lower frequency. And I assume those are longer form posts as well. These less frequent ones. Yeah, they're definitely long form posts. So if you, if I stick with Brian as an example, his posts average over two thousand words. His most shared post is actually about Google ranking factors, and that was over yeah. 5,000 words. Yeah. So, yeah, you're generally talking about more in-depth content. Uh, it tends to be content. And this is why it doesn't work for everyone because I think 
it's got to be in depth. You've got to write in depth. I think it tends to be comprehensive. So he's done one like, you know, 200, you know, SEO factors you must take into account or something like that. Yeah. But it's original research. Have you got the time to original research? I think the less is more content strategy is not about less work. In fact, sometimes I think it can be more work. Yes. But it's yes. about publishing less content, but more comprehensive content. So it's original. It's well-researched. It's the sort of content I would say that acts as a reference material. So for Brian, it would be, you know, important things about uh, Google ranking factors, for example, mm. what, what a perfectly optimized uh, page looks like, or the ultimate guide to um, particular types of SEO. So the type of content is, is quite distinct. As I say, it tends to be original, well-researched, in-depth, long-form content. It adds some value. It has a sort of referenceable quality that you yeah. would go back, back to. And so... It's not for everyone because it's not easy to write that sort of content. But there's no question that if you can get that right, and Brian's site proves it, yeah, he drove over a million visits last week, to, uh, last year to his site, which is huge compared to other sites who are publishing a lot more content. So I think you have to decide what works for you because um, it may be that it's actually uh, you know a higher frequency, two, three times a week does work for your site. Ultimately, I think you have to test it. I mean, it's. Um, I had a discussion once with, with Joe Paluzzi at Content Marketing Institute, and he was saying, yeah, they now publish about once a day. But he said when they went up to two times a day, they really got diminishing returns. It didn't really work for them. So there's probably yeah. a natural threshold to every site. And in their case, it's probably about once a day. For some people, it may be less. It may be once a week or so. Mm. But I think it does depend on the type of content strategy you take. And I think it's definitely worth looking at the sort of Brian less is more content strategy, because I think it doesn't only get more shares and traffic, but it gets more links. And we know links still matter in Google. Mm. And Brian literally is getting, you know, some of his posts are getting a thousand, two thousand links, which is huge for a single blog post. Wow. Uh, Some sites don't get anything like that. So, but you can see why, because it's referenceable, good well, content. this is it. It's more like, it's almost like um, writing a never-ending book, isn't it? Because if you're writing a book, it's going to be higher quality, it's going to be well-researched, it's going to be nicely structured. Obviously, it's going to be longer form. Each chapter is going to be longer form. But it's almost like writing a never-ending book in a way, isn't it? I think your, your point about never-ending is absolutely spot on, because mm. what Brian does is he updates his content. So Oh, so he'll go back and update previous blogs? He will go back and update, and he does that a lot. And um, I was looking at it only recently, um, and you know, so he'll take a post from 2013 or 2014, and he will update it. So recently he's got a, an SEO keyword research guide, and he's just done a 2017 update, but the post was actually originally published in February the 20th, 2014. Yeah. So he's gone back and published something. And I think this the other thing is that, good content like that it does need updating and i think there is a danger these days that people see the web a bit like an old newspaper i publish it and it's done and then i have to publish something new obviously content can continually be updated on the web so and it's a bit obvious but but very few people do it so but here's an example that he continues if you look at his um blog post he'll say update update updated or he will actually tell you that it's a 2016 update and so what he's doing is doubling down on his good content, content that worked two years ago that really worked. Rather than lose that, he's yeah. doubling down on it. He's actually updating it um, for people because it worked. And again, I think people don't do this as much as they should sometimes, which is you know, look at your content that's working and really focus on that. I see some people, they publish a post, it doesn't really work, it doesn't get much traction, and then they pay for advertising to promote it. And I think Jay Bear said this recently, that you know, if, if your content failed organically, 
even throwing a lot of money at it probably isn't going to make that much difference. Whereas if you can find your content that really resonated, let's double down on that content, maybe re-promote it, update it. And I think that's what Brian does a lot. So he doesn't create lots of brand new content, but he keeps content updated. And so your word never ending, I think is right. So people keep going back because you know, if I want to look at keyword research, I would often go back to the same article from Brian because I know it's, it's updated with the latest thinking, for example. And he's got another one on 21 sort of SEO techniques, and that's regularly updated. So it's, it's you know, it doesn't, because the danger is often content gets dated on the internet. But um, so I think consistently updating and doubling down on good content is important. And that may be much more important than writing a completely new post. But some people just get obsessed with, I have to publish a post today, I'll have to publish a post tomorrow. I think taking that time and going back and doubling down on what works uh, can be a much better strategy. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. So when he goes back and updates Steve, does he do that in a way where it's obvious he's updated it? Or does he actually sort of go to the original text and sort of tweak it? Or does he say sort of updates like 2017? I've recently found out that blah, blah, blah. Yeah, he makes it very clear and explicit. I mean, it starts with the title. So the title will say, I'm looking at one at the moment, and it just says SEO tools complete list 2016 update. Yeah, so Brian makes it very clear when he's updated something, and it starts with the title. So I'm looking at one at the moment. SEO tools, the complete list. It actually says in the title, 2016 update. Right. Another one now that says 2017 update. So he makes it very clear what he's updated, where he's updated. And that's important, I think, for the reader to understand that. But it means that he's really building on a post that was already working. People really liked it. Yeah. And I think this comes on to another point, which is not that the people liked it and he's, he's updating it, but then he's re-promoting it. And this all comes back to me to about content amplification. One yeah, I was going to ask you about that because that, that, is, that is something you're quite big on. I don't like that expression, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Content amplification because that's – I mean writing these posts is only half the story really, isn't it? It, it absolutely is only half the story because, you know, you write it, you click publish. Some people think that's job done, and to me that really isn't job done. I mean, I think even before you start writing, I think you need to think about how is this content going to be amplified? Because 
there's literally so many articles being published each month now. I did. I was doing some work for somebody the other day, and they were saying, well, we want to be, we want to score well for leadership training. And so I had a look on Google, 360 million articles on leadership training. Um, so, you know, people, you can't just publish great content these days, I think, and expect people to find it. There's too much. So I think before you even start writing, you have to think about content amplification. So how is it going to reach your audience? Now, of course, you could do that in a paid way. You could try and pay for, for ads on, on Facebook, Twitter, etc., to drive people to it. You could amplify it through mailing your email list uh, and making sure your people see it via your email list. But you can also think about who's going to share that piece of content, who's going to link to the content. And I think you can think about that even before you write it. And in fact, people who are good at amplifying content, you might want even want to involve them in producing the content, get their views on your content, interview them for that piece of content so that when you publish it, they're going to help you share it and amplify it. You might want to ask a group of people about views before you finish researching an article and writing it. But it seems to me that once you click publish, that's not job done. You've still got to promote and amplify that content. And I think the interesting thing about the less is more content strategy is you obviously have more time. If you're only publishing one post a month as mm. opposed to three posts a week, you can spend more time really pushing that post and getting it out there. But you can only do that for your best content. But it does seem to me that people still haven't grasped just how important amplification is. I get very sad sometimes when I see you know, quite a, quite a large site publish a post and it ends up with 10, 15, 20 links sometimes, 20 shares sometimes. Yeah. Not very many think. You know, even your own staff haven't shared this. So you haven't even used your own employee advocacy to get your article out there. So and then if nobody reads it, have you wasted your time, really? Maybe not. Maybe someone will find it later. Mm. But I think you've really got to focus on getting it out there. And it all comes back to this thing that there's so much content. You can't just expect people to find it. You have to have a clear strategy for how are people going to discover your content. So if you had, um, we've covered quite a few bases today, but if you had like one uh, top tip or key takeaway for our audience today, Steve, what would it what would it be stemming from this? I think my one key tip for me will be, firstly, think about your content frequency and what works for you. If you're a, an organization or a blogger who you do research, you have something original, I would think about the less is more strategy and doing more comprehensive, in-depth content. Uh, equally, if that doesn't quite work for you in terms of the type of content you're doing, I would think about content frequency and I would test it. So if you're doing one post a week, try a couple of posts a week and see what works for you with your audience. Yeah. But I would spend a lot of time also thinking about this whole issue around uh, amplification and making sure that almost for every piece of content, you've got a clear amplification strategy. You know, how is this going to get shared out there? Just how do people discover it? Um, and Google's still important. People still discover content through Google. Mm. But increasingly, we see people discover content because their friends shared it on Facebook or yes. on Twitter yes. or somewhere else. So, so it's, not, it's not the sort of you know, straightforward, just get, get, get to the top of Google. Even if you do that, you will obviously do well. But you've got to think about how people are going to discover content. And I think that amplification and sharing process matters. Get your own employees to share it and push it out there. But also try to find the key... And I wouldn't call them influencers. There's a lot about influencer marketing. I think, to me, it's not about getting a mention by an influencer because often even if an influencer shares your content once on Twitter, mm. it probably disappears quite quick. And even for yeah. big influencers, average retweet rates are quite low, surprisingly low. I think what you're looking for is not you know, trying to get 100 influencers. You're trying to find 5, 10 advocates 
and I, I call them sort of influencer advocates, really, people who are really going to promote you, not just by sharing it once, but they'll probably share it more. But if they're talking at a conference, they would say, you know, I've got a couple of people who I work closely with, I'd say are advocates of Basuma, and I've seen them at a conference saying, I'd recommend you use Basuma. So it's not, they're not just tweeting it, they're mentioning it yeah. at a conference, or they're mentioning it in a blog post. And I think, don't try to get a list of hundreds of influencers, try to say, who are my five, 10 really core advocates who are going to help me promote that? Because once you've got that core base, it's easier to build from it. And certainly on amplification, if a post is working, then double down on that post. Think about what worked from that post, not just simply to replicate it, but maybe to reamplify it, maybe put some Facebook ad spending behind that specific post. So it seems to me that content amplification is just so important. Yeah. Um, we have to think about that. It, it can be too easy just to write a blog post and not think enough about amplification before we even start writing. Some great tips there, Steve. Thanks so much. Um, maybe we should have uh, another chat about, about uh, amplification in a future episode. Yeah, I'm always keen to talk about amplification. I think it's just it's often just missed out a lot. Uh, yeah. Write a lot about you know, writing good headlines, which are important, writing good headlines, what content formats work, should you use infographics, how do case studies work, etc. But often amplification doesn't get uh, the attention it deserves. Well, we shall correct that. <laughs> um, how can our listeners find out more about you and more about Buzzumo? Yeah, if they want to find out more about me, um, just go to buzzsumo.com um, um, or they can find me at Twitter at, at Steve Rayson, or one word. Um, and yeah, very happy to engage with any discussions around content um, with people. So yeah, if they want to contact me, they can find me there or on LinkedIn and, and other channels. And just for clarification for our listeners, because I love spellings, buzzsumo is B-U-Z-Z-S-U-M-O, is that correct? That's right, yeah. And Buzzsumo. your surname is R-A-Y-S-O-N. Yep, it just means son of son of Ray, a bit like son of John Johnson, etc. So, uh, just uh, there's obviously not many uh, Rays around at the time, but uh, it's a slightly more unusual. Thanks for listening, everyone. The show notes are in the usual place, sitevisibility.com slash podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please do leave us a review so that we know how we're doing and can continue to bring better marketing ideas and advice um, and we're always open to suggestions uh, of, of questions uh, and future topics so if you want to email us it's podcast at sitevisibility.com or you can tweet us at at site visibility um, if you want to connect with me personally i'm dr pod d-o-c-t-o-r uh, P-O-D, on Twitter and LinkedIn. And if you want to continue the conversation, you can always join the Site Visibility, Site Visibility, all one word, group on LinkedIn. Thanks again for listening. So that's all from me, Andy, and it's all from Steve. Thanks, Andy. Yeah, take care, everyone. And we'll see you next time on Internet Marketing. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 